Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Joey Morgan. Today, I'm here with Brian Corrigan, aka Briar Hardo 2. Fucking Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So Dylan's here, Lord Slar. Hello, hello. Uh, I, I promise I won't do it again. And uh, a new guest to the channel, Connor, aka Genesis of Andrazani. Hello, hello. And I will leave all these awesome people's channels linked in the description um, so you can go check them out, even though they all have more subscribers than me, so you probably already subscribed <laughs> to them. So, anyway. Still not Any enough. crumb that may fall off uh, your coattails, I'm going to have it. <laughs> One of the I'm crossover, one of the crossover Star Wars Clone Wars fans. <laughs> That's funny though, because I actually I've had a, somebody on my channel that does have a Doctor Who slash Star Wars Clone Wars channel. Hey, there we he go. Was, <laughs> like not you, somebody else. See, he's probably it's, it's, apparently it's just something. It's just a common thing. All right, there we go. Is it a common so... thing? Well, I don't know. I've met two people. Is that good enough? I guess. I guess. <laughs> There's only about five Doctor Who YouTubers, so you know. <laughs> so, um, all right. So before we get into this episode, I'm gonna put up on the on the screen right now uh, our upcoming episodes for the rest of the year. This is gonna be May through December. There are actually only three spots left open. So, um, if you see any of those that are open that you want to be on, um, you can just message me on Twitter. I'll leave my Twitter linked in the description. Uh, my DMs are always open. So, um, slide you... was DMs. I was actually about to say slide right in. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so today we're discussing uh, Classic Doctor Who Season 2, this being uh, the second season of the Hartnell era. Um, of course, spoilers, but I don't know why you'd be watching this if you weren't already familiar. With Wait, God, it's been 50 fucking years. Yeah, you've, had, you've had your chance to watch it. <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess uh, uh, before we get into the stories themselves, let's talk about the main TARDIS team of the season. So last time we talked about, um, you know, obviously Ian, Barbara and Susan. So let's talk about uh, the, the team that makes up most of this season, uh, Ian, Barbara and Vicky. Um, any opening thoughts on this? Anyone? Vicky's what? better than Susan. Oh, by everyone minute. knows that. I, I, by, by a million fucking it's miles. one of the best it's one of the best TARDIS teams of all time in my opinion they oh. are absolutely lovely mm -hmm. as much as i love um the writing staff of, of the first season of the hartnell era something happens in season two that i don't know maybe it's just overall them caring a bit more about a new companion um <laughs> Or maybe just the fact that nobody knew how to write Susan to begin with. Well, but... I think it's the fact that they've now established the first three characters, and all of them had quite a bit of development in the first season. Now there's room to develop a new character that came in. And it really helps that David Whittaker was the one who created her and wrote her first story, because he is one of the best character writers Doctor Who has been graced with. And then, furthermore, he writes an episode, another episode with her where she develops even further. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and Vicky's actually got... A lot of people don't seem to realize this, but she's got a really good character arc and a really good basis for why she joins the TARDIS, if you get what I mean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, she, she's a fascinating character. And actually, um, if you listen, I, I, I know it's a more recent Big Finish audio, but if anyone's heard the, the story, The Crash of the UK 201, that really um, delves into Vicky's character arc and it takes Ooh, place. I need to get that, yeah, it takes place between uh, seasons two and three. Um, so it's with Stephen and her. And uh, and it, it's pretty much the Doctor is barely in it. It's just her. Um, and it, and she goes back in time and it, and you see the crash um, that leads up to the rescue. It's really cool. Oh, yeah. Peter Man Crush Purvis is in this season, too, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> 
and <laughs> don't forget um bloody what's his name from the chase oh, oh Dell. that's it <laughs> that's it you're filming a movie picture <laughs> that, that doesn't what? sound right oh, oh, <laughs> y'all from hollywood <laughs> you, you, you yeah, i was sound a bit jim crow i'm sorry there <laughs> Oh shit! Um, yeah, Stevens in the season as well. Um, uh, who I absolutely adore as a character as well, but he mostly gets his development in season, season three. Three, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, back to Vicky. I who I uh, I think you brought up a great point that she does have a really well crafted character arc. Um, and uh, and I don't know for some reason, it just seems like the writers care about making her a more prominent part of the story more than Susan. Yeah, I wish and, she was the Doctor's daughter. Oh, granddaughter. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just they, they had a more solid basis to go on with Vicky when they're like they're giving out the rights. I mean, what do you say about Susan, uh, daughter's granddaughter who screams a lot, right? You know, mm. whereas Vicky, it's like you know, it's somebody who's went through horrible experience and has made her kind of very dependent upon others and doesn't really feel comfortable unless she knows that others want her to be there. And then yeah. slowly she goes through this process of becoming independent again, and which, you know, which is why doing she, what connects- she wants. Which is why she connects with the doctor because, because um, she feels like an outsider in this group, and uh, and the doctor himself is an outsider. Um, as much as he's grown close with Ian and Barbara, he, uh, she can relate easier to the doctor than she can yeah. with uh, with either of them. Yeah, she's so, more than just a replacement for Susan. She actually helps both develop herself and the doctor by showing because obviously with Susan because that was his granddaughter is very very protective very fierce about her whereas with Vicky he's, he manages to loosen up a bit manages to enjoy his adventures more absolutely <laughs> Brian I agree you, <laughs> I was about to say you've been pretty silent um no I yes. just having weird coffee issues so don't mind me all right then. Um, so yeah, so overall, I'd say like the main cast of season two is a lot stronger than season one, um, despite how much I love the development of Ian and Barbara in season one. Um, this has a stronger emphasis, I think, on on the team aspect, and obviously, you know, you have a great writing team behind it, who um, who cares about making these characters interesting, um, which leads into our first story of uh, of this podcast, Planet of Giants, by Louis Marx. Oh my god, it's kind of trash, isn't it? What? No! Joey, you haven't been subjected to both versions before, have you? I've only watched... Because I've watched the three-part version, but I've also watched the four-part version, and both versions kind of stink. Wow, that's that's utterly wrong. Um... (laughs) I mean, the the first part's really... It's all downhill from there, I think. Once you get into the pesticide stuff and it's revealed that they're they're just on Earth but they're tiny, it's 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 kind of fucking lame. Uh, I well, s- I know it's a bit of a generic idea, but they do lots of interesting things of it though. There's always like Not a new kind of really thing they bring to the table. Well, I I thought so. I, I mostly um, commend the story not just for the script, which you know is a fine enough functioning script as it is. I mostly commend the story for the production, which is just absolutely phenomenal. I think. Oh one yeah, of, uh, one, of most, well, one of the, the most one of the most well early hardles. Yeah, yeah. I was absolutely, I was absolutely gobsmacked when I watched it and saw how well it was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, it's 
it's one of those stories in classic who that you can't say often like as much as i love some of the cheesy classic who effects it's one of those stories that i think could still stand up to a modern audience and no i i do think it is very well made i just think that the script falls a bit flat and that's what lets it down other than that the visuals are fucking stunning for its time yeah i mean mean, it's really good i can i can understand what you mean it's just like for some of us it's like regardless of the script it's like it's the visuals are just so mesmerizing that it's hard to actually pay attention to the you know the story sometimes like i just i just can't help but love watching it yeah purely purely for like just the fantastical visuals it just it reminds me of like it reminds me of watching like like say um tom and jerry when you've got two characters or three characters that are small in a big world and they're running around and having to uh, having to live in this world with giant humans, and there's so much danger now because they're so small. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, aside from the well-made production, I think um, the larger scale props, you know, to re- to represent uh, how how they've been shrunk down, it matches up really well with with the yeah. sets that they've made, especially the sink set. You know, you you play the that alongside. Set. Yeah, you play that alongside the actual sink that they use when they're doing the regular shots. Um, uh, when they're uh, from when they're not shrunk down, um, it, it it's fantastic how well it matches up. Um, yeah. I think we can agree with Brian that it isn't necessarily the most exciting script, but there's enough cool visuals there and good character interaction to kind of tide you over. And, and just for me personally, my favorite part is where they kind of managed to work out this murder mystery while like being tiny. I thought that yeah, was... it's so yeah. weird how there's like there's there's they've got their own story like because they've been shrunk, but then there's also this other random story going on in the background with like, yeah. yeah, two people and, who and don't I even know that. Yeah, and it's like also I I do want to bring up a nice little character thing um, that shows how well the team has developed up to this point. Uh, I adore the fact that that uh, this is really I think probably the first story where the doctor chooses not to not to run away from danger and says we have to stay here we have to solve this problem and that being the murder um no he doesn't just want to get out of there and get back to normal size and and help barbara um he really does care about everyone and he and he cares about not just the people around him but he cares about the world this is something that can affect the entire world if he lets it uh uh go uh go unstopped so i appreciate that a lot how how the doctor has developed post season one yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, and what else? If there's one thing I would say about this story that I love the most is the cliffhangers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the cliffhangers are so fun, like with the cat and also specifically the sink. Like the the visual of them standing in the sink and then like they're stuck and there's the water drain going down. Like as a kid, I would be dead scared of that. Like yeah. <laughs> the, fact that the thought of being drowned, like drowning and you're tiny inside a sink is so frightening. Yeah. I think the story overall is a great use of the, of the, uh, of the initial brief by Sydney Newman, you know, the, the, this children's television that is, you know, I guess the story semi educational scientifically mm. maybe well, yeah <laughs> it's about the dangers um, of but, pesticides and unregulated science yeah but yeah, also you've got that along alongside you've got the the, the scary visuals something that would scare children i, yeah. I, totally I mean if you wanted to do it in a different tone you could make it fucking scary like <laughs> oh yeah you make this story you could make it you could do anything with it and like you could imagine like killing off a companion because they get stepped on or something you know, like the cat claws apart Barbara, and then somebody sets Ian on fire with one of the matches. 
Just and then, like, as soon as he's flushed down the sink, she tries to hold on, but her arms just break off, and the rest <laughs> of the body gets flushed down. And then, like, the, the first, the, the doctor gets stuck in, like, you know, the ice trays? And then they, and they freeze him inside. And then, and then, they, and then, and then like, they smash him, and it's a Mortal Kombat fatality. Oh, and then, and, and no, all almost... the other ice, in all the other ice cubes, you've just got Cybermen in there. And he almost makes it out of the ice cube, but, like, his legs get caught as, as the water starts to freeze, so he's half in there. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, we're just imagining what if Planet of the Giants had Mortal Kombat fatality. <laughs> Violent Planet of the Giants. God, it used to happen. Why did they do the episode four reconstruction when they could have done that? Oh yeah. Oh. All right. So, um, ratings out of ten for Planet of Giants, uh, Connor. I'm gonna give it an eight. Eight, Dylan. Uh, a generous seven. Okay, Brian. I'm going to give it a six. The visuals are great. Uh, pretty much all production aspects of the story are great, but the script is what really lets it down for me. Okay. And I would give it a seven, personally. I agree with Dylan. Um, so, yeah. Uh, seems mostly unanimous, other than Brian. Uh, so, next up... I, I, I am very generous, by the way. I'm very generous with my ratings, because... You know, I just, I like this show. So. Oh, well, yeah. I think it is fairly unanimous, because if you think about it, the average rating is the rating that two of us have gave. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So That's true. Next up, we have The Dalek Invasion of Earth by Terry Nation. And this oh, is, this is a story indeed. Um, <laughs> this is one I flip-flop uh, on a lot. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. This is with a, that. this is a very divisive story. I think. <laughs> so, how are we feeling uh, about the television time right now? But, yeah, well, before <laughs> we get into it, here's a confession. When I was little, I was terrified of the sliver. <laughs> the thing goes, it's okay, Dylan. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> I don't know why. Because it's such a shit monster. Then again, I was scared of the rats from Talons of Wang Chang, so, you know, I'll resign and let somebody else talk about this one, because I am out of grace. So I'll say right now, my opinion on the Dalek Invasion of Earth is I really like it. Um, I think it's, I, I think the script is phenomenal. I, I think, you know, bar anything else in the story, the script is really solid, and Terry Nation wrote a really great sequel to an, an amazing original story. That being said it's very clear that parts of the production kind of fail, namely the directing, which is mine and I think mo everyone else on the podcast opinion um, yeah. uh, on the directing. Uh, Connor, I don't know how you, how, what you think about the directing. It's, it's, it's tough because it's just one of those stories where regardless of its flaws, I, I just, I'm just so drawn to it. Now I can I can see what you mean by the direction. There are a couple of scenes, especially there's there's one in particular. Even when I was young, um, it's the one where like Ian's running through that room, and there's just a bunch of Daleks, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's like so confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does have a problem with like spatial relation, you know. Yeah. And there's that really shit scene where the guy tries to run away, and he like kind of steps about two inches either direction and just gives up and it's like fucking hell could you not organize this a bit better come on Where yeah are you fucking um, directing your twat i mean i yeah. guess the only the only canon suggestion would be that people are all in panic and they do weird things when they're in panic but it's just so bizarre to watch sometimes it's like uh what and just scenes yeah. where it should be really tense 
just fall flat, like when they're throwing the bombs. It's just kind of like the Daleks <laughs> fidget around a bit, and it's like, you know, this should be a fucking intense scene. Yeah. If, if Chris Barry um, was doing this, it would be, because it's nothing to do with the budget or the limitations. A good oh, director yeah. could make it work. If Chris Barry yeah. was directing I this, mean, this would Dylan. be probably one of the all-time greats, I reckon. Dylan, oh, have you Dylan. seen... Have you seen Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD? Oh, and I love it. Fucking Dalek it's, jazz music. It's, it's, it's the fu- it's it's fucking phenomenal. See, this story for me is really weird because I do kind of agree with the directing, but at the same time it also manages to get a lot right with its direction. Mm. Like I mean, it manages the, to make it have a miserable atmosphere, but I yeah. mean it's all just down to how Dower the directing it. Oh, the revel- I, the I revelation like... of the Dalek in the Thames. That's fucking great. Oh yeah. That that one's good. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I There's mean small like moments but then I feel... great. in fact, actually most of the on location scenes are pretty good. It's the mostly first... the studio stuff that lets it down. The first yeah, scene in it... the story is really cool as well. I mean the Oh when the Robo where... Man falls into the river, he's like ah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. really well done. But I, I, I think it's more the studio scenes rather than location scenes. And I think yeah. Richard Martin just has a problem with when he has a small set, he can't really use his imagination of how to wheel the cameras around and how to get people you know, running around. He, ju- he just doesn't really seem to have much of a natural talent for kind of making oh, that work. Because other directors oh, yeah. have, but he, he doesn't seem to be able to. But when he's if, on location, he actually did a, he did a decent job. Well, yeah, if, because, this was it, set, um, if this was set like in 2018 or 2019 whatever you could make the argument that it's been filmed on a phone by a member of the public like (laughs) that would make sense because some of the shots some of the shots look like it's like someone's just like oh what the hell's going on there's this damn war i gotta film this because i'm (laughs) okay but but i do have to agree i'm just imagine that's what's going through like the head of the person who filmed 9-11 just like oh look there's fucking war going on So, okay, beyond that, I do have to agree with what you said about the location shooting, Dylan, because on location, Richard Martin created some really iconic shots, you know, the shots of the Dal- of the Daleks, you know, strolling through London. They're really great shots that stick in people's minds. But then I feel like if the script weren't as strong as it is, certain moments would not land whatsoever, like the Dalek coming out of the water, like um, uh, the, 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 two, uh, the two ladies um, betraying Barbara, um like Susan leaving at the end, like the Daleks' absolute brutalness. I think they're they're at their absolute most deadly in this story, if, well, if, I, if I may be to, so bold. You also have to attribute that to some of the actors just fucking skill on their own without the director. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. they, they managed to pull this story together really mm. nicely. So, I, I love all the sub- of the actors capture the abject horror pretty well because they're all just pretty like, Ugh. yeah. I love the supporting cast because they just they give off this horrible, dreary sort of tone that the story has to has to convey. Um, and I fall in love with the world every single time because it's just so it just it's just yeah. so dystopic and, and it's wonderful to watch. My yeah, favorite- with, a, with a better director, this could have been one of the best ever. But as oh. as a result, it's just kind of. Kind of floats between being kind of quite good and not so good, just My, just purely because of the director. And it really just goes to show how much a director can really change a Doctor Who story. As much as we like to blame the writers and stuff, 
as I mean, fans. We've got to remember, directing can have a massive impact. Oh, absolutely. I, I have I to can. bring up the fucking uh, guy who can't use his legs. I can't remember the exact reason, but the guy in the wheelchair who makes the bombs. He's my favorite character in the entire story. And it's because he's written well and the actor knows how to portray him on point. It's an it's a wonderful performance. I just Oh yeah. I absolutely adore the moment where, where he dies and like it's one of the again, one of those brutal Dalek moments that would have landed much better if if we had a better director, but the actor Actually I think that it. moment is one of the ones that manages to land really well. Yeah, so do I. Well, I think I think that's because of the actor mostly. Yeah, it's like at first you think it's, you know, he's doing this really heroic thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, go on. And then he just kind of weakly stands up, kind of limply throws a bomb and then dies. It's just like, oh, God, this is really fucking horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. Ah, <clears throat> oh, shit. So any other thoughts on Dark um, Invasion? There's one thing that, like, has always bugged me, and no one ever bloody brings it up, is that... Me and my dad, when we first watched this story, we, 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 we've always... Asked, are the Robo Men a prototype of the Cybermen? No, 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 no? absolutely. Because they've got the same, they've got the same headwear, like the the square thing over their head, and like there's there's bits of exposition that the way. Oh, that do you described... mean like a prototype in the sense that the idea for the Cybermen came from them? Yeah, it's it's like oh, from the right that's, that's totally possible. I'm not sure because having looked at interviews with Kit Pedler, he mostly got the idea actually from stuff he'd read in scientific journals. Right. Where'd the, where'd the it's just, so maybe, maybe more so the design came from it then. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, at, at this point when I watched it, I hadn't really seen much Classic Who because it was like, what, 10 years ago, I think. And I was only basing it off what I knew from, like, Rise of the Sidemen, when they were taking people and putting these things on their head. And it was like, in my head, I was just thinking, like, it's got the same square thing over their head. And I was like, that looks very similar. And, like, even the scene in World Enough in Time, when they, they hold up that thing to Bill, like, that thing looks like the same thing that the Robomen have over their head. Actually, no, they may have taken more than just the look from them, because weren't the... Cybermen initially conceived as star monks, so you have to wonder what caused a change along the lines there somewhere. Hmm. That's a, that's an interesting point. But I feel yeah, like I, I'm I'm not sure myself, but uh, you know, it's no one's idea. No one's ever brought up, and I it's something that's always been on my mind. I'm like, it's very similar in some ways to the Cybermen, but hmm. very true. All right, well. That being said, rating is at a 10 for the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Uh, Dylan? Mm, this is a difficult one. If I was feeling harsh, I'd give it a 6. If I was feeling generous, I'd give it a 7. So one of those. Alright, Brian? Because I'm feeling generous today, I'm going to give it an 8. Alright, Connor? Um, this is probably a bit controversial because because of, we've just discussed all the flaws with it, but um, I... I absolutely love this story, and there's something magical about it. It's very similar to um, Tomb of the Cybermen in that there's objective problems with it, but I just love the story anyway, so I'm going to give it a 9.5. Oh, wow. I can see what you mean okay. by the Tomb of the Cybermen thing, but the difference is Tomb of the Cybermen's directed really well, so I can kind of really get into the magic. <laughs> whereas that is the true. Whereas so, the atmosphere is just kind that's of why I don't give crippled That's why I don't give it a 10, because... yeah. There is that problem. But. So I'll have to, so I'll, I'll have I'll to agree. Seven out of ten, then. 
I'll have to give it, agree with Brian here then. I'll give it uh, an eight. So that's like today the, specifically. It usually changes on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah, that, that's about right. Um, so Susan finally fucks off, and we get to move on to the rescue. Um, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much starring Maureen O'Brien because she absolutely steals the show in this. She's wonderful. Oh, she's Brilliant. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Freudian, <laughs> Freudian slip back. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, Maureen O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely was meant to say she was brilliant, but... Boy, did you slip, man? She's so nice, yeah. <laughs> 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 my fucking Kikulian claws in it, huh? Oh, oh, oh yeah, my, my God, Dylan. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway, it's, it's my David Whitaker, and I meant to say that. Um, but, um, uh, uh, Dylan... He, he, since, he is since, a beautiful man. So, <laughs> shit. You know, I was gonna give you first talking point, but I'm giving it to Brian now. Brian, opening thoughts on the rest. Yeah, of you? give it to give it to Connor. All right, fine, go ahead. Um, so funny, I've got a funny story about this. Um, right. when I was binge watching the first Doctor's era two years ago, I I was watching it on Daily Motion, and I somehow accidentally managed to watch part two before part one. <laughs> <laughs> so I just start, and they're just stuck in this cave. And to me, I was like, you know what? If this was a new Who story, that would happen. That you just start the story yeah, that's stuck that's in this true. cave, and it's like, whoa, what's going on? It's so, it's, it's just fucking everything's happening all at once. And then I get to the end of the episode, and she walks into the TARDIS. I'm like, what the hell happened? And then, and then I go back get, and I watch part one, and I'm like, oh, okay. Get to part one. Oh, I wonder who fucking Coquillion is. <laughs> yeah, I'm so confused. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like. It just felt like watching a Series 7 episode. Like, everything just starts in the middle, and it all happens at once. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? But, um, yes, that's a, it was a weird experience watching Part 2 before Part 1. Um, but yeah, no, it is... It's always getting things backwards. (laughs) It, it, it was good, though. It was a, um, it's, it's such, it's just a great entry for vicky basically that's that's all it is and i think also the first doctor like the way he reacts after losing susan in the rescue and then transition into vicky i think is a great it's a great moment for his character mm-hmm. yeah i love the way the story opens you know the doctor is very stoic and, and ian barbara you know they're they're kind of his his shoulder to lean on and uh and and this is where you know you really see how far they come as characters um, you know what happens when one of them does leave. You know you, you see how they all really rely on each other, and uh, and it's a nice little moment uh, to open the story with, which actually is emphasized by the book that takes place between Dalek Invasion and the Rescue, uh, Venusian Lullaby, where there's even a point in that book where the Doctor is very temperamental, and and Barbara kind of snaps on him, um, and, sh- and she's like, don't don't like go. She's like, I get it, you're mad about Susan, but don't take it out on us, um, and so. Putting that, putting that between these two stories, it really does, you know, show where the Doctor is at as a character, and uh, and I, I enjoy that a lot. Um, as you can see, the the exit of Susan really does affect him. You know, one moment I really liked is when he kind of subtly shows that he's really feeling his age, like all of a sudden, which Ooh. you know, obviously we're not really old enough to really get the feeling, but from what I'm aware, uh, when you know, obviously parents when the child leaves, so it's like fuck me, I'm old. So it's like it's quite a you know relatable kind of a uh, mm. nice. Oh, I don't know. Book. I don't know. After after an eight hour shift, I'm so sleeping. I feel like I'm yes, my boy. <laughs> I can yeah, just no. imagine Hartnell saying, "Fuck me, I'm old now." 
fuck me, I'm old. <laughs> What would what would it be like if we had like a suicidal doctor? <laughs> like he wants, it's like the opposite of the tech doctor. He wants to regenerate. I mean, well, to be fair, David Tennant's doctor is an emo by the end. Except he really doesn't want to die. It's kind of a reverse. That's what I mean, though. Like, what if it was the opposite of him? What was the opposite of that? Where he wants to die, and his companions like, no, we need you. And looks like this is it. I just want to end it all, my boy. <laughs> the walk, the walk into the fucking stars, and he's just swinging from <laughs> <laughs> the round thing. My, my, my friend, I've got a new round thing around my neck, dear boy. <laughs> my friend and co-host, um, Adam, said that what if the fourth Doctor died hanging himself from his scarf? <laughs> that ha- that happened in uh, the Leisure Hive, though, didn't it? Not not the fourth Doctor dying, but he did. Somebody did get killed by his scarf. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> No, but um, this this episode though, uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> one of the most lovely, heartfelt character pieces in uh, all of Doctor Who, really. And David Whitaker, you look at all of his scripts, even when the stories aren't like amazing, he always gets the characters just right. Yeah, and it always moves along that development just the right amount, uh, and it just makes makes you really fall in love with the characters all over again every time you watch one of his scripts. And this is no exception. And yeah. Honestly, he should be put in charge of introducing all the companions because look, he introduces um, you know, Vicky here, and she's great. Introduces Zoe, and she's great. And you notice that both times, what he does is he gives them a very like a good reason to join the TARDIS beyond yeah. just oh, I like adventure and stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, there's actually like, very like, what interesting. Are the odds <laughs> what are the odds that every person the doctor comes across is like, well, I like getting into dangerous fucking situations. <laughs> yeah, these people are genuinely have a reason as to why yeah. they want to get out there. Yeah. And it he does that really well. And of course, it's not just a character piece, it also has a pretty nice little mystery about it. It's just a really sweet, fun episode that yeah. I'll never get bored of. That's actually what I wanted to bring up next. Um, how do we feel about what has been described as a murder mystery with only one suspect? <laughs> Well, honestly, I've, I didn't guess it. Am I thick? <laughs> uh, in, in, in other words, what do we think of old cocky licking? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I didn't realize it was uh, What's-His-Face. Uh, I realized well, it was him. Well, the problem was is I didn't know it was a murder mystery because I watched bloody part two before <laughs> part one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't do that, and I figured out it was him, so... Yeah. I, I I never figured it out, but I think it is a great moment, even if you have figured it out by the time in that story when like when Coquillian walks up behind well, uh, the doctor. I was and... so sure that it was him. I thought they were gonna pull the rug from under my feet, and it, it wouldn't. <laughs> takes it would off be the, so... takes off the mask. It's Vicky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I would have been like, what? what? I thought they were gonna do a plot twist if it was a if it, it was a john if that it was, a john was exactly what i expected oh maybe what if it was barbara and like you know she she didn't <laughs> kill sandy by accident you know purposely <laughs> oh. trying to mentally break oh. down vicky there's a massive vendetta <laughs> against it so it was all barbara's fault barbara the whole time the oh my god it's still a bit of murder mystery than terror the vervoids though listen oh, to fuck it up. <laughs> what the fuck is I'm listen, glad somebody else wait, agrees with me on that. Listens to the crash of the two. I haven't even kids. seen that story. Well, you haven't seen it. I haven't even it's seen not. it, but, I, but it is but the I've, shittest murder mystery because I've had it spoiled. They, yeah. Oh, well, See, well, I won't. I won't say who it was, but basically, the person who is the murderer has no character development or screen time throughout the entire story. So yeah, it does come out of nowhere, but that's because <laughs> there's been literally no build up to it whatsoever. It's just like, wait, who the fuck is this? 
You know, I hate to spoil Crash of the t- Crash of the UK 201, but you know when Vicky goes when Vicky goes back to it, it it's it's Barbara sabotaging the show. I'm just making a joke, guys. You all took out your headphones. Fuck off. It was a fucking joke. Back on when you pull your fingers out of your. It's okay, rejoin now. Yes, put your headphones. I was making a joke actually, and I was saying it was Barbara sabotaging the ship. Oh right! Oh, you just don't spoil the story. I wasn't fucking spoiling it. Yeah, well, you trolled me, didn't you? You troll. Apparently, I did, and that's gonna be the worst. That's gonna be the worst listening to for anyone listening to this podcast because they're gonna be like, "Why is he still just repeating his point?" And you all fucking took out your headphones. (laughs) Joey is a troll, and he ruined my life. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Anyway, ratings out of ten for the rescue. Uh, uh, Brian. Um. Yeah, I'll give it an eight. All right, Uh, Connor. Eight. Eight. Dylan. Controversially, yeah. Nine. I would, I would almost agree with that, but I gotta say an eight. Um, so it's, it seems like... It's not big enough for me to read it higher. Well, it's for just... me, it's like it's like an eight. Well, almost, you've got a rate what you've given to work with, though. So, a low That's true. Eight. That's true. Yeah. And, you know, and when I'm giving Doctor Who stories a score, I'm not basing it on, like, non-Doctor Who. I'm basing it on Doctor Who. Like the like the standards Doctor Who reaches, and I feel that this reaches close to some of Doctor Who's fights. <laughs> At least again, as much as you can. I had, a, I had a stunted viewing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can understand why you may not have the same flowery opinion I might have on it after that. Just, it was, it was yeah. <laughs> that bloody that TARDIS scene though, where Vicky joins, is one of the best. Also, Hartnell's yeah. costume in this is the best Hartnell costume ever. No, no, no. His best costume is the one in revolutionary France. Yeah. He's got that massive fuck-off feather in the cockpit. <laughs> and it's not, and it's, not just, it's not just the feather, it's also the costume he has before it, where it's just his, like, white, um, what's it called? Okay, the... allow me to correct myself. It's the best variation of his normal costume. Yeah, Brian, get it right. So anyway, um, now we move into The Romans by the wonderful Dennis Spooner, um, oh. which I just... This is the best episode more. of this season. I Hands love down. This story. Hands um, down. I won't necessarily disagree. It is right. by far, and I don't know if everybody's going to agree with this, it's by far the funniest episode of Doctor Who. Oh, I agree with that 100%. Maybe. <laughs> At least intentionally. <laughs> The, the, the only thing okay, I've laughed at more than this. That. The I'll only thing I've laughed at more than this is fear her, but that's unintentionally. <laughs> so. Fucking hell! I like time lash. Ironically, it's it's um. <laughs> What's that would do with anything? <laughs> I I don't know. It's it's a cliche, but I I find a lot of that the Tom Baker Hinchcliffe stuff really really funny, especially when I'm watching it with friends, like. But then again, it's a different kind of comedy. Please do not throw hands at me. I do love um, the... Uh, How the, many Nymon com- have you seen today? Well, that's not Hinchcliffe. Well, I do love the comedy in the, in the face of evil, specifically, with the Doctor. Oh, yes. Wait, right. He's literally... He, he walks... Uh, he's he just had the deadly assassin, which is one of the fucking darkest stories, and then he walks... In the face of it, he walks out, and he looks right at the camera and talks to the audience. He's like, hello. 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, and then and then kill him with his with his deadly jelly baby. I adore yeah. that. Um, I didn't take all the It was yeah. just this weekend where we binge watched like season fourteen and fifteen, and it was just like. Just like the talons of Wing Chiang and Horror Fang rock next to each other, we're just pissing ourselves laughing. It was so fun. Nice, nice. What are but... you laughing at in the horror of Fang Rock? <laughs> that one's fucking horrific. It's just all right. So, okay. Anyway, discussion anyway. for another time. The Romans. Um. Oh God, the Romans is wonderful. Um. So written by, of course, by the wonderful Dennis Spooner. Dennis Spooner really hits his stride as a writer here. Um. He even has uh, the reins of the script editor. Um. So yeah, he he's really on fire with the script. Um, so intentionally funny, but surprisingly dark, I would say. Um, yeah, some... I mean, you can't really go at the Roman times without touching on, you know, how brutal it was. You know, yeah. can, can we just Good admire idea. that there is actually an entire episode where Caesar Nero just chases Barbara around because he thinks <laughs> she's sexy? <laughs> it's fucking amazing. I know. <laughs> The, the, the doctor just bumps into her every once in a while. It's like, oh, hello, my dear. And she screams as Nero runs after uh, it's, her. It's one, it's and then his wife comes scene. in and cock blocks him. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really cock blocking you with your wife? <laughs> oh. Well, cock intercepting then. <laughs> Actually, you're right. This might be the funniest episode. It is. It is. I'm forgetting. Um, I'm forgetting. Although, aside uh, from just the humor, I really like. For one, the sheer amount of like pretty good characters, and certainly the the scale of it. This is one thing that oh, yeah. you often don't get outside of the Hartnell era that much, with some exceptions, such as Frontier and Space and the War Games. But not many Doctor Who episodes manage to capture the same kind of Hartnell feel of having a very expansive world where there's they go on a grand epic journey, then they all end up back uh, where they were in the beginning. It's like a kind of very satisfying feeling when they get back to the villa because yeah. you know you went all over uh, Rome and Italy and it's just yeah. like oh this is and lovely I, and, I, and I do love the thematic ending in that the doctor and Vicky had no clue that Ian and Barbara <laughs> went out <laughs> yeah. as well like, it's it's so it's it's a it's a great final joke to go out on <laughs> they had no but, no idea this is this is the number one <laughs> what have you been Ian? doing all day <laughs> sitting around this is, this is the number sold one into slavery slavery <laughs> 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 This is the number one in Ian and Barbara ship episode as well. Oh, like, I was yes. just about yeah. to say that. I was yeah. going to bring it up. Yep. I mean, come on. If it wasn't like the 60s BBC, they would have been getting it on. Oh, yeah. Episode. They were almost getting it on in the first episode before. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. How, how do actually, it's a good topic. How do we feel about Ian and Barbara as a couple? Yeah, they're a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's no yeah. denying it. It's so it's just so, so just so we're on all the same page. <laughs> and they got it's married really and lived together happily forever. That's William, kind of, that's William Russell may not like the idea of it, but who gives a fuck? It's oh, right and, and for, it was clearly intended by the writers. I mean, David Whitaker literally says at the end of Doctor Who and the Daleks that Ian thinks he feels love for Barbara. Yeah, it's so, wonderful. Like, um, although, for Ian and Barbara shippers and lovers of Fanwink, I highly recommend The Hunters of the Burning Stone, which is a wonderful comic story with the 11th Doctor. And, and the Rocket Men. Yes, the Rocket Men is wonderful for them. Um, yeah, so overall, Romans, I would say, is a great story. Any final? If Tumblr existed in the 60s, the end of the chase would be all over it. <laughs> 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 yeah, instead of like 10 Rose fangirl it'd be Ian yeah. Barbara fangirl does that sound preferable I would much rather Ian and Barbara shipping over the Doctor and Rose 
we're not getting to that in this discussion. At least it's at least it's not Nancy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, rating is at, at a ten for the Romans. I think I'll start on this one because I give it a very solid and confident ten out of ten. Dylan, I agree. Okay, Brian. Oh, yeah, right. you've caught me a bit off guard there. All right. No. Maybe I should give it a ten out of ten. Maybe right. free will isn't an illusion. Uh, come on, let's give it. Let's give it a ten out of ten. Let's do it. <laughs> Fucking do it. Go on, lads. Connor. Nine point five. Oh, oh goddamn! <laughs> Sorry. Be gone, bot. It's just, it's, it's just almost there, though. Like, oh, I, no. yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. Honestly, I probably do agree with him. I was just swept up in the tide of love for the Romans, you know? Oh, but, it's, it's but a then again, story. but if it's you can get story. swept up in the tide of love for something like this, surely it is worthy of that score. If I, I give something in 10, it's, it's, it's got to be, it's just got to, there's a certain, like, <clears throat> that it hits you with if it's a 10. And I love the Romans, but it's just not quite that. Mm. I probably agree, but I'm still just feeling it, you know? I'm just feeling yeah. that I should just give it a 10 just peer because. Pressure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not peer pressure. It's just like, it's a fucking number. Who gives a shit? I'm giving it a 10, bitch. Or was go. it you gave the Keys of Marinus a 20? Oh, I mean, that... <laughs> so I, mean I, I, I don't know what else you would get. I don't know what else you would give the Keys of Marinus. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like it's it's like what three to six stories in one, so you got to give them all each a rating, and it adds up to twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I even like the Screaming Jungle, so you know, I bloody oh, love yeah. that story. Yeah. Five keys out of five. <laughs> it's oh, six. It's six nice. parts, mate. No, yeah, but there is. Five, there's only five keys, though. Oh, that's right. Six Un- unless you count five. the fake key, of course. Oh yeah. Anyway, so uh, now we move on to The Web Planet by Bill Strutton. Um, this one's interesting. Uh, d- does anyone have a, a, a hateful opinion of this? Because I think we're all Web Planet appreciators here. I hate people that hate The Web Planet. All right. I, I agree with that. I agree with that yeah. as well. I like hate it. watching The Web Planet when I'm sober. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, st- I still enjoy the web player. No, no, no. I do enjoy it when I, I'm so, but it, it, it's m- much more enhanced when you're a couple of pints in and eating a pizza. <laughs> that was the last no. time I watched it. I was in America. I bought my DVDs with me. I watched the web planet. Had a couple of pints. Had a nice pizza. That's the best way to enjoy the web planet. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good indeed. So, um, the web planet is a fun little adventure. Um. That's very creative. Um, I, I adore the creativity of the story. I adore yeah. the attempts of the production, which sometimes I actually um, would dare to say are pretty impressive, um, specifically with the Monoptera flying. I think some of that looks really good. Um, I mean, Jesus, how do they manage to construct, like, a pretty decent alien planet on that budget? Oh, like, yeah. It genuinely looks not Well, bad, there's you know? a reason the Dalek invasion of Earth isn't well directed and it's because they blew their entire budget on this story um get a good director well richard martin also directed blood planet did he yeah, yeah. he does a yeah. Bit, but, bit of a better job yeah, yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't actually judge the direction because they've, they've wiped their fingers all over the fucking lens <laughs> 
<laughs> that was an intentional choice, though, because it kind of makes yeah, everything weird. Like, like that, oh, yeah. that's, that's the kind of stuff that I appreciate in this story, though. It's like, you know, obviously some, yeah, of, it's right. really mis- uh, some of it's really misguided. Most of it's really misguided. But they're um, trying their best. And exactly. So- <laughs> and it's so cute. I love this army. <laughs> I love the Zarbi. I love the Minotaur. I love everything oh about the story. It's so much Zab- fun. I want the Zarbi as my, my alarm in the morning. Has anyone I'll- seen? Has anyone here seen my obsession with the Zarbi on my Twitter recently? Um, I, I genuinely <laughs> like it unironically. I I think it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it's just a kind of... It's cool to have one of those Doctor Who stories which are just so bloody out there. Like, yeah. it, you never get these stories very often, especially not these days, where there's just a Doctor Who story which is just, like, so far removed from humans in general. It's just, would- like... It's I would proper escapism. It's I would argue there's no escapism. story like the Web Planet. Oh Does yeah, it... it's the it's the most alien Doctor Who story on TV. Ever. I would agree. It's... Yeah, on TV. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Although yeah. Galaxy Four does come somewhat close. Oh, yeah, about half as close. Web oh, Planet. Fuck off. Okay, Dylan. We season three. Stick... Season three. <laughs> we have to stick together as Galaxy Four appreciators. Dylan. I know, right? We're in the press <laughs> class. Man. We are. <laughs> anyway. Class that deserves to be oppressed, if you ask me. <laughs> hey, hey, I could kick you from this fucking Skype chat at any minute I want to, Brian. Remember who controls this podcast. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, is there anything else to say about the web planet? It's a ton of fun. Um, they tried really hard. Um, God damn it, Dylan. Hey, I was I was gonna ignore it, but you had to bring it up, Brian. For anyone who's curious, whenever Brian says "God damn it, Dylan," it's Dylan doing that same shit that he did in the first episode of the Celestial Podcast. See <laughs> it, that? It really wanna... it really annoys Brian. I, I only just did it once just to see what had happened. You know, they like just poke in the the yeah. hornet's nest. It's fucking fun, you know. As long as you don't get stung. <laughs> All yeah. right then. Um, also, I now, love Hart- I love Hartnell's costume in this story. Oh I, yeah. I, I, um, I mean, my feelings on the web planet are similar to Planet of Giants in the sense that, objectively, yes, it's not. It's, I can see why someone would say it's a bit crap, but it's just so damn mesmerizing. Like, yeah, I can agree with like, that. It's got the same kind of feel, hasn't it? Yeah, it's one of the, it's one of those stories that I feel like I could really like turn off all the lights, watch in the dark, and get really immersed in a in an alien world. And, I think uh, it'd be probably the best Doctor Who story to get high to, which I really want to try now. That being said, I really like the presence of the Animus throughout it, uh, how it's just sort of this unseen villain. I mean, the revelation of it is a little, it's a little poopy, but you know, other I than was... other than that, it's it's it has a very very nice presence throughout the story, and it it adds something sinister to an otherwise ridiculous sort of kind of garish alien planet so if it was in color it would look like shite oh that's yeah. true well that goes <laughs> probably most of the 60s doctor like Who. imagine they, imagine they got away with it because the cameras were crap and imagine if this was a john pertwee story it would look like aids yeah well look at some <laughs> of the john pertwee stories that look crap like colony in space if it was done in black and white it would not look nearly as bad Oh yeah. What colony in space? It's just the same color throughout the entire fucking story. Yeah, it's just this depressing mud swamp. It looks horrible. Even but in black, black and white, white that would look trash. It wouldn't look as depressing though. 
So right, look, look at how I finally get into readings at a time. No, because we want to linger on this one forever. No, no, we don't. No, obey your master, Brian. No. Oh no, 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 because I know why Brian doesn't want to move on to the next one. All no, right. I, oh, I, oh, oh, I let's get. Let's get. Possibly think let's... of why I wouldn't want to move on. To <laughs> all the right, next all right. So really, there's okay, no Brian. reason whatsoever why I wouldn't want to move on to the next one. So let's do it. We're playing it. Eight out of ten. Brian, ten, wait, what did you say? What, what was your rating? Eight out of ten. All right, I agree. Eight out of ten, Connor. Yeah, eight out of ten. Still Welcome to trendy it. Seven out of ten. <laughs> All right. Um. So uh, now I think it's time to finally move on to the ma- to the masterpiece that is David Whitaker's The Crusade. Oh, I love it so much. It's, it's a brilliant a story. How could anybody on the whole planet dislike it? Fill your camera well, on, and I can story. see you looking accusingly into it. You bastard. <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just looking at Connor's very nice eyebrows. Uh huh. Okay, thing. sure. He keeps he keeps on fucking doing that, and it's like, oh, what the fuck are you trying to do with me? My my sec- the security guard at my work thinks I'm Peter Capaldi. <laughs> Those are Capaldi esque eyebrows when you raise them like that. Mm. All right, so I think we should let Brian talk about the crusade. No, please. no, don't let me do yes, this yes, one yes, first. Do it. We'll give you enough room God, to no. hang yourself. Just before you do that, I just want to say I will I will volunteer as the middleman for this because I've been on both sides of the spectrum before. To be fair, so have I, but only when I was little I didn't like it. Once I matured and became the refined person I am now, with an appreciation for artistic depth. I even have context, like historical context in my head for this story, and I still don't like it. I still just find it utterly dull and boring. Like, the characters aren't interesting to me, and, you know, a lot of the comedy induced in it falls flat, and I just, I just don't... I have a I question, Brian. like it. Um, have Were you, you seen... hugged as a child? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Do you, do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I don't. Okay, well, I was going to ask you that, because I think the Crusade is the most similar Doctor Who's been to Game of Thrones. And it, my analogy's kind of fallen flat because you don't watch it. <laughs> as much as I love the Crusade, I think maybe it's not very, it's not anywhere near as intricate as Game of Thrones. Oh, no, hell no. That's not what I mean. I just mean in, t- in terms of the way the story is told. It's obviously the production... Yeah, and I can kind of see what you mean there. It's... it's, it's that's that's what I find. It it's got the kind of like multiple stories going on at once in a yeah a period. We're not. Oh sort of yeah, no, that's in, a good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that you, well, and I, actually, I, you're oh totally God, right. And I yeah. adore and I adore the characters and played oh, by and I also think the villain is one of the crappest historical. Villains oh, she is a fascist. Oh, I love Elok here. I mean, oh, okay, I could see it if you if you if you're sensitive to like. Rate like sort of yeah. Harsh we should be of... sensitive to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if you if you if you're someone that doesn't like watching, um, for example, like foreigners portrayed as like horrible villains. Like well, I can no, see why you might. No, be... no, no, no. That's, that's not, not what I was That's not. That's not no, what I, my no, problem is. This, with it. 
No, no, this it's just I generally think he's an unthreatening to. crap villain. The actor isn't good at all. Oh, what? what? No! Oh. Well, even even though even though he says that and... Barbara is gonna like have su- like horrible torture done to her and rape, and then she's gonna die, is that is yeah. that not threatening? The only pleasure left for you. The delivery of that line is very abysmal. Far away. No, no, but just to respond to something that Connor said, I didn't feel that there was a problem with like the kind of you know foreigner portrayal thing because it was very even-handed. It portrayed there as being many kind of, you know, noble, thoughtful uh, leaders on both sides, as well as just buffoons on both sides, as well as evil people on oh, both yeah, sides. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Like, Ella Pierre has his counterpart in uh, The Earl of Leicester, and, you know, um, Saladin has his counterpart in King Richard the Lionheart. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. absolutely agree. I've yeah. just heard some people say they don't like this story because they think it's racist. Yeah, but can uh, we, Well, I mean, there we, is some black mentions... Bernard, but, Bernard, and that's Bernard right. K but, in blackface. Here's the but, thing: I, I don't I'm think not, the writing's I, I, not racist. Just some of the just the blackface is racist. Yeah, I also the writing's very well done. I want to talk about easily my favorite thing about this story, and it, it does fall into the broad category of characters. But I love specifically uh, Julian Glover as King Richard and Jean uh, Marsh as Joanna, who I mean, are speaking. Yeah, that's right. Julian speaking of Game of Thrones, this story. Um. And they're just two phenomenal actors. Um, oh, no, had some... Every guest actor in this is so brilliant. Like, I don't can't really think of a time where Doctor Who's managed to get every single guest actor so right. Oh, yeah. They all put uh, in such a performance. What about the... Midnight? Ooh. For me, for me, for me, I'd say about the only strong performance in the Crusade is Julian Glover, but Julian Gene Marsh is wonderful. Okay, maybe Bernard K. But do you well, do you not like do you not like that scene in episode three where the, like it's it's um it's Glover and Marsh and they're they're going at each other about yeah. this just such horrible issue. Like I find that scene so, so captivating. It, yeah. it's it's an issue that requires investment and by episode three i'm not interested in the story that I sounds just... that sounds like an issue with with your viewing of the story <laughs> and not with the story itself yeah that that's something that i that's a problem <laughs> yeah I used but to have. joey here's the thing i'm here to discuss my opinion not be subjective about it well, or, yeah wait objective <laughs> <laughs> No, but, uh, there was another performance that was really strong. I forgot now. What's the name of the character? The guy whose daughter gets stolen. Oh, shit. Um, ah, fuck. I've, I've seen this story so yeah, many no. times. Yeah, no, I, know he, who, I know who you're talking about. He's he puts in such a good... He really manages to sell it. And Wait Grant a minute. really rooting for him. Joey, I just realized I made that same mistake in the last episode I was in. What, subjective and objective? Yes. I can't you, remember well, that time. You make a lot of mistakes. It's fine. Just by uh, existing, if, for one. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. No, it's it's such an excellent character-driven story. And like Connor says, there is almost some parallels with Game of Thrones, where you've got all sorts of different yeah. kind of stories going on. you kind of got a bit of a, a comedy, but also a quite tense court drama with um, Vicky and the Doctor. Then you've got kind of a gallant, heroic march by Ian. And then you've got Barbara and a really nasty intense struggle to survive mm-hmm. really i will yeah. say the doctor Brilliant. and vicky the doctor and vicky are a highlight of this story their relationship really yeah, comes it like, does blossom yeah. it does blossom oh, and, 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 I, and i love the plot of vicky pretending to be a boy throughout the story um <laughs> and 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 the series of realizations see uh, that's that's similar out. to game of thrones as well because that's you know um 
that also happens in Game of Thrones. There's a plot where a woman's trying to be a boy. Yeah. So there's a lot of, for me, there's just a lot of similarities. And one of the similarities is actually the fact that I, a couple of years ago when I first watched this, I didn't like it, similar to Brian. And one of the reasons why is because it confused me. And when you get confused by a story like this, eventually you lose investment because you're like, well, I don't know what's happening. But I don't get confused by it. That's the thing. I know what's happening. Okay. Well, I can't help. I really, maybe maybe I really just don't, don't enjoy to... the kind of, um, you know, grand medieval politics that, you know, we happen to enjoy ourselves. Mm. Maybe. Because I had the same problem when I first watched Game I, of Thrones. I, think it's, I found I it think really it's, confusing. Because it's, really... <coughs> it's definitely one about kind of courtroom drama really and things like that. And if you're yeah, into it's that, very, and politics, it's a very if you're into that serious. stuff, yeah, if you're into that stuff, story. you'll love it. If you're not into that stuff, well, then, you know, you're not going to enjoy it. Because with a show like Doctor Who, which goes through so many different genres, you know, all the time, there is going to be episodes that you don't enjoy. And it's not necessarily because they're bad. It's just because... You know, it's just not your cup of tea. Like, uh, there's a few episodes I could say that about, I'm sure, if I could think oh, more off the top of my head. But... <laughs> yeah, I don't enjoy the brain of Morbius, <sighs> but I recognize it's still a decent story. It's just yeah. not my cup of tea. Absolutely. So that being said, uh, ratings out of 10 for the Crusade, Dylan? Uh, solid 9. 9? Uh, Connor? 9. 9, I will agree, 9. And lastly, Brian! <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, where's my knife gone? <laughs> Five. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh. oh, well. Okay. Um, someday, someday you'll... Well, I, I don't know how to recover from that other than move on to the uh, great story that is the Space Museum. Oh I no, I don't this. like this one either! What? No, I fucking love the Space Museum! Oh, oh well, so good. I can understand a lot more why somebody would think the Space Museum is crap. Yeah, but I, 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 I still enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, basically, Space Museum is like the first episode is bloody brilliant. The second episode's yeah. kind of entertaining, and the last two episodes are just like meandering around the same place we've seen for two episodes, for a further two episodes. Yeah. But the, the, that, that is kind of the point, though. Like, um, If you've seen Rob Sherman's defense of the Space Museum, it, yeah. it's basically the whole point of the story is that it's an anti-climax. Like, everything that, hap <laughs> everything that happens in it is like, okay, let's do everything that usually happens in a First Doctor story, except when you think that you got to the end, we'll flip it on its head and that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, because, because at this point, I think in the show's history, you, um, Doctor Who had gained really quite the reputation. So well, right we get tens of millions of so, viewers so, at this point. So writing so, something of a farce, almost of uh, a parody of, of, of another Doctor Who story, it's it's kind of brilliant, um, and I love I love the ingenuity yeah. behind that. Really hooking your audience with the first part, and then then you know them going to tell their friends, oh, this first part of, of the Space Museum was really great. Go watch the rest of the serial, and then just writing a parody of a Doctor Who story. It's so, so what kind, you so what you could say. Great. Is it works as a prank, but maybe not as an episode of Doctor Who. It's a it's a it's a brilliant prank. <laughs> it's a great prank. I was about to say that because it's not a first, great episode of Doctor Who. The um, first I, the first episode is phenomenal. Like it got me hooked. Like I was looking forward to more trippy time stuff, and then it just completely does away with it, and it's yeah, kind of boring see why afterwards. That would just point you. Ooh, actually, Boba Fett's in the story. I don't know if anyone knew that. Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's got he's got eyebrows even better than yours. Oh shit! Ooh, that's a that's a, that's quite a statement. Anyway, 
Um, but I don't know. I, I really do enjoy the the sort of ingenuity of of making the the episodes two through four uh, sort of a parody because it's it's very different, especially for the time. You know, if you had been watching Doctor Who in order um, and knowing what to expect out of a out of, uh, out of a Doctor Who story up to this point, it's it's very different. And and I just appreciate that that uh, that. Uh, the different style of of telling. But it when you history. when you say it's a parody, episode two, yeah, I'll give you that. It's got lots of funny moments, but there's nothing really funny at all about the last two episodes. So it doesn't. It kind of falls a bit flat. The last three episodes are largely forgettable. I to, think the problem is is that it's there's no funny moments. The point is is that it's funny as a whole. That that's, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like that's the thing. <laughs> then again, you're just saying it's a good prank. Yeah. <laughs> well, um also but I do something I do legitimately appreciate about the about the last three episodes. Um that isn't, you know, just me saying, Oh yeah, I love how kind of funny it is and um and how it's a play on Doctor Who. I do love Vicky in episodes two through oh, four. Yeah. She's oh, yeah, yeah. Sp- she actually does have a good out in the air. Yeah. Um she starts a fucking revolution. I love it. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh yeah, she's fantastic. Hartnell is charming as ever. Ian and Barbara, I think, are, are the only two main characters in the story that don't really do that much, and I'm not really invested in past episode one. I think uh, if the story was in season one, it would work way less. It would be so jarring to have it happen so early. I think. Yeah. But can you? But can you imagine Caroline Ford starting a revolution though, in the same way Vicky did? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh, that's that's an unpleasant thought. Um, <laughs> shit. So, uh, um, oh, what else? Uh, any other thoughts on the Space Museum before we do ratings? I, I uh, pretty disappointing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I disagree. I mean, I often, you often see me leap to this episode's defense purely because it's, like, always rated as one of the bottom ten stories yeah, well, ever. Well, yeah. Which I is want... just so unfair. Oh, at the I'll same agree. time. Yeah. Dylan, now I'm in a room full of... there. It's not a, it's not like yeah. so trash it deserves to be in the bottom tent, but it I, I yeah. do think it's kind of But obviously late. now I'm in a room full of people that other than Brian quite like this story. I'm not as you know there mm. to its defense as people might expect me to be. So yeah, it, it's alright, but it falls flat in a lot of areas, unfortunately. Which is okay. a shame because they kind of wasted a good idea for the sake of a prank. Yeah. It's, that's the kind of thing well, so it's like, Steve like, Muffat would do. Yeah, it's like Series 9. It's like the way to for the sake of a prank. Just <laughs> a prank blow. This episode's actually about Clara and the Hyblet. I watched that episode two days ago and I, I regret it. Yeah, why the you do that yourself? Because I show my friends the show and I have to watch it with them because they need uh, help. Yeah. I always no, steer them away from those episodes when I'm watching it with friends. Yeah, but they, they're like, it's the finale, it's the finale, he's on Gallifrey. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. He's on Gallifrey, but it's certainly not about Gallifrey. <laughs> yeah, basically the whole thing is just like, every time that someone asks a question, they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's, that's a very apt summary. I like What's the it. hybrid? No. <laughs> Why are we here? No. Why'd you bring me back? No. The time will be very other companions back. <laughs> The Time Lords are very clever. Very, <laughs> so, um, so what uh, are our ratings? I think out it's of... very clever. Ratings <laughs> out of ten for the Space Museum, Brian. Five again. Oh fuck off, Dylan. Well, despite a very clever first uh, episode, I'm gonna have to say, uh, I don't know, six out of ten. Oh okay, uh, Connor. 
Six. Wow, I feel like an ass. Um, I give it an eight. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. I might wow. give it a seven if I was like, you know, I don't know, I mean, high or something. But to be fair, eight. to be fair, the first episode, I wouldn't blame you if you gave a ten for the first episode. Yeah, first episode. I would. I would give the first episode a ten because the first episode is really good. And yeah. But. The rest of the story just brings it down so much. Do and wanna, I yeah. Every time I watch the first episode, I can't help but feel sour. Know what happened? <laughs> knowing what happens next, it just makes you sad. Oh but no, we, no, we, I, we really are just becoming grumpy old men when we haven't even matured <laughs> yet, aren't we? Fucking crap. I don't know. I still, I still really like the the uh, episode, uh, the latter half of the story. It's not but, as bad as people say it is. I'll give it absolutely, that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it that off, as well. But there is still... so many awful, diabolical Doctor Who stories that don't have any interesting moments. This has one quarter of it be immensely interesting. So yeah. for that reason alone, it can't be anywhere Delta near. Delta and the Bannerman. <laughs> Is a brilliant fun romp. No, uh, no. Okay, we're not getting into this discussion. All right, so let's talk about the chase now, written by Terry Nation once again. Oh, what, uh, what a, what a, what a fun, just fun story. Oh, regardless yeah. of what it does, it's just so fun. Yeah, it's like kind of the Sweet. Dalek Master Plan, slow little brother. <laughs> <laughs> And then you go to a haunted house, and, and then, then you go to Mary's list. It's like, Dylan, no, you don't understand. That's actually like the perfect way to describe it. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> it is. Slow. <it> <laughs> oh fucking hell! I hate my life. All right. Um, if the Daleks' master plan was like rated, like G, right if it was rated by somebody who uses. That. <laughs> <laughs> if it was rated, if it was like. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. So, first off, I think the first thing to note about this story that I think is. I, I don't think it was entirely Terry Nation's intent to make a really funny Dalek story. And you could very much tell that Dennis Spooner is the script editor of, of this one. Um, yeah. He, uh, I, I think a lot of the comedic elements do come from Dennis Spooner's influence. Although, although um, think about it this way. If this episode wasn't funny, it would be pretty fucking dull. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> so it, it was yeah. a good move other, on Dennis Spooner's part. Other than yeah. the comedy, if you removed it, it would just be like, oh, so he did the same thing as Keys as Marinus, except made it a bit more crap and added Daleks. Yeah, that, actually, that's pretty fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, although, it's, it's, although, it's, although it's, much like, much like, if you break it down to just like this is what happens is right. We're gonna stay here for ten minutes, then move on somewhere else. Then we're gonna what? stay there for ten minutes, then we'll move on somewhere else. It's well, much, literally much, a chase. Much like the Keys of Marinus, I do really love the the uh, the change in location throughout the story because it makes yeah. a for a nice unique yeah. adventure. But um, th there is one thing I would add beyond just the comedy is the TARDIS team in this story, and Ian and Barbara's exit is so magical. Yeah, it's lovely. There's oh, a lovely yeah, character too. That's done really but, well. But is but is it as magical as the Doctor clone? <laughs> what a beautiful man! <laughs> he looks like Richard Herndl. <laughs> he, he looks more like Peter Cushing, I'd say. 
<laughs> what does it say? Where have you been looking at Peter Cushion? I don't know. I, I I'd say overall he bears a more he bears more of a resemblance to Peter Cushing. What is it that the Doctor clone says his objective is? Like, locate and destroy. Yes, my dear fellow, no, 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 I certainly will. No, it's find and kill. Mm. No, it, it is. I'm not joking. That's that's what it is. Sorry. I, I, I thought but, it was something a bit more sci-fi and alien, but no, I no, was it wasn't. completely wrong. It's fine. Well, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I know he just says kill, but he might say something else before that. I do think he is a pretty shit aspect of the story. He he doesn't. I I as much as I can make fun of him, he he. Yeah. It's not a really interesting aspect of the story. Uh, it's not even funny like the rest of it. It's not even. It's not. It's meant. To, it's meant to be one of the more serious moments. It's um, unintentionally funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fucking sword fight with the obvious stunt double. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of like got the fucking I don't know Nancy. Doctors like yes, kill him, dear boy, kill him. It's like whoa, that, that looks a bit weird. <laughs> but it's so confusing because sometimes it, it looks... cuts, sometimes it cuts between him and it's the same character, but it's got Hartnell's face. It's like yeah. what the hell's <laughs> going on here? Yeah. No, it's so funny. <laughs> no, but I don't, but it's just that one moment specifically when like he when they when they think the fake doctor's the uh, the real doctor, and it just kind of cuts to just his face just like cuddling uh, Vicky and Sue, not Vicky and uh, Barbara, and it's just like whoa! I don't know what that <laughs> yeah. happens. It looks it looks it's, terrifying. It's, it's just something about really his face is just like bloody hell. Calm down, mate. <laughs> not, not, so not going to be doing anything odd, are you? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's really fun, and and obviously, um, you know, obviously the best thing about the story is the very end uh, with Ian and Barbara's exit and London, London, nineteen sixty-five, and all that good shit. <laughs> Mechanoid attack system. <sighs> I think I think there's one thing that can be said is that um that Twitch stream they did of Classic Who. I feel like this story was the star of that Twitch stream. <laughs> <laughs> It's, so it's, it's, uh, to go back to a point I said for an earlier story, this was another one which gets that really grand sense of adventure that not yeah. many stories outside the Hartnell era capture, which yeah. always makes a story worth watching, even if yeah. it's shit. Yeah, you and know, I, just, I, you get that yeah. fun atmosphere. I love the adventure, and I love you know for as cheesy as moments like you know the Mary Celeste scene and and um uh, and the haunted house scene, like as cheesy as those moments are, I do really love the adventure and the scale of it. I like most of it, but the haunted house bit, I don't know why, I just can't stand it, because it's just stupid. It is really <laughs> stupid. Just because the doctor's really like, bad about, oh yes, uh, this is the inside of everybody's mind dreams. It's like, <laughs> plot twist, it's actually an amusement park ride. <laughs> it's just, what was I, the point of it's this? It's so stupid, but for some reason I fucking love it. I, also, I laugh at it now, I'm past being sour about it, I just laugh. Also, wait, wait, I, I know, what about... I know, what about Barbara and Vicky's genuinely terrified reactions to fucking My Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> oh, what is your name? <laughs> as as much as I love, um, you know, obviously the most memorable aspects of this story are the really fun moments or the really shit moments, like the Doctor clone. But also, the one of the most shit things in this story is the first two episodes. I really don't like the first two episodes. Wow. They are the slowest, to be fair. Yeah, just they're to- like. Because Iridius, Iridius, no, episode one's actually quite good. But it's just, oh, after, yeah. after one episode of it, 
you realise Iridius really is the most boring fucking planet. Yeah, Especially like, when you consider the fact that its name gives it away. It's like, oh, it's a dry planet. Iridius, there. That's a good name. <laughs> Done. I'm kind of interested to read John Peel's take on it because he didn't like how it was portrayed as more of a comedy when it was released. I kind of want to see a serious version of it. Yeah, I think the thing that bothers me the most about about the first two episodes is that you pitch the chase as this grand adventure, Keys of Marinus-esque, where you go to all these different places and uh, you have this grand adventure. And then you just spend the first two episodes just doing fucking nothing on this planet. And as much as I love, you know, the first episode, I love some of the fun with that, with the time-space visualizer and, and the Doctor and, and Barbara um, uh, laying on the sand. And it's, it's really fun moments like that. But I think the the second episode specifically is where, like, you really could have cut that down probably turned yeah. this into a five-part story and just gone on to the next location. I think that they could have kept it a six-part story and just had another interesting location to go to, because they certainly weren't running out of ideas, you know? Oh, definitely, definitely. I think the now, script... They were saving, they were saving the, the, um, the leftover ones for Dalek's master plan. I, think... I, for, I, I for one, would, would have loved a whole other episode yeah, entirely, that... entirely set on the Empire State Building with Morton Dill. Yeah, but, um... <laughs> I think we should be grateful for Daleks in Manhattan. We should be grateful for episode two because we get the fucking uh, massive bollock monsters. <laughs> one of many massive bollock monsters to come in Doctor Who, I might add. My favorite one. <laughs> my favorite one is the bollock monster god from Frontier in Space, which I don't know yeah. if that's its real name, but that's what I call it. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be really interested to see John Peel's take on it because I think I think he said. Dennis Spooner's edited version of the script deviated quite heavily from Terry Nation's original one. So I think John Peel restored that in his adaptation of the story for well, that, the novelization. That's, that's why I've always been interested to see the uh, the planned third Peter Cushing movie, which would have been a film version of The Chase. Um, I think that would have really suited The Chase, the kind of big Hollywood yeah. Peter Cushing vibe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It would have been so much fun. Um but that being said, uh, what are our ratings out of 10 for The Chase, Dylan? Uh, I'd say, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Wait I mean, a minute. We forgot to mention Steven. Well, yeah, but he's only in like the last, what, two, three fucking episodes? Uh, I mean, maybe an eight if I was being very generous. I would, yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that, uh, an eight. Uh, Connor? Um, well... Regardless of how silly it is, I absolutely love this story every time I watch it, so I'm going to say 9.5. Wow. Oh, really? I mean, I have a lot of fun every time I watch it, but I don't know if I could go that far, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right. just like, I don't know. I, I sound like a massive hypocrite because there's other, there's other silly Dalek stories that I hate, but then it's just, I don't, I don't, know, how, I don't know how to describe it. It's well, they don't so have the sense of adventure, this one, this, that this yeah. one does, the other silly Dalek story. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Brian, what's your uh, rating? This is being generous as far as my view on the chase goes, so I'm going to give it a seven. Oh, all right then. Rather I mean, diverse fair enough, ratings. I don't disagree that that someone could easily hate this story like, i don't i wouldn't disagree it's just i really really like it a lot here's the thing for me the chase is the chase is good it's all good but i wouldn't particularly want to watch it again for another decade 
Alright. <laughs> 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 no, I'm usually ready to go again after like a year of not watching it. Yeah. So. So um now let's move on to the final story of season two. Uh time measure by diddler. Dennis by Dennis Peter Butterworth. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It's just, I just my brain said just say it and it's like why? <laughs> just do it. Oh god. So I the fucking monk. love this story. Um, the monk is fucking amazing. I just I, I just wanna pieces. say I just wanna let it be known that the time middler is my favorite William Hartnell story. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's interesting. I absolutely love it. Now, part of that may be because it was the first Classic Who DVD I ever bought, um, which, you know, that's always going to have an impact. But every time I rewatch this story, I just love everything about it. Mm. That's, I mean, what, that's what a wonderful atmosphere it has, you know? Yes, the oh, direction. Yeah. Dougie, Dougie Campbell. Campbell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is story, isn't it? He makes a small set into this very convincing beachside. I mean, I think it kind of goes to show how his talents weren't just in, like, filming action scenes and stuff. He's actually quite good at just filming, you know, a nice little historical with a good atmosphere. Um, like, he, he he has more talents than just action man, you know? Yeah. Which I think that goes underappreciated sometimes, because they usually get him in for the action stories. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, yeah, and he's brilliant in this. Uh, he, he delivers a really dynamic story, um, visually at least. Um, like you said, with a really great atmosphere. Um, of course, you had the wonderful character of, of the monk played by Peter Butterworth, um, who who's who's absolutely timeless. I feel just that the charm of that character carries yeah. on no matter. I mean, he's just one of the best Doctor Who villains in the sense that he's not one of these power hungry people. Which you know, sometimes the power hungry characters can be good when they've got a good backstory and they've got a good actor playing them. But sometimes it's just nice to have somebody who's just a git who just wants to fuck around with things because <laughs> he's a bastard, and yeah. I respect that. You know, that's a man of like, yeah. You know, yeah, I know a lot. I know a lot of really... people. I know a lot of people call the master um, the evil doctor, but I would more compare the monk to the evil doctor because he really does do a lot of the same things that the doctor does. Just you well, know, you could argue more that... negative consequences. Yeah, yeah but the argue... thing is, the doctor does it a safe, whereas the monk just doesn't be a git. Yeah, <laughs> just like it confused people, like just oh, what if things had turned out like this? Let's just have a look. You know, fuck the consequences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I fucking love. Which oh my god. Okay. Anyway. Um. Yeah. He's he's a brilliant character. I think. So, I think you all... couldn't you, you couldn't have picked anybody better than Peter Butterworth to play like the time git. You know? <laughs> the time. Get. So new, here... new, new title for the story. The time <laughs> git. <laughs> he is though. He's just a git. You, you can't Dennis... use... no <laughs> harsher terms and no more lenient terms describe the monk than a git. The time. Get, the time git by Dennis Spooning. <laughs> Just those facial expressions he pulls, like, oh, like, like <laughs> just so, oh, brilliant. Um, Brian, what were you gonna say? So, is my connection bad or anything? No, you're good. No, you know you were just getting cut off a lot by us. All right, so I think. I've suffered from a bit of overhype when I first watched this story. Oh, but no. It, don't don't wait, tell me this is going where I think it's going. No, it isn't. It isn't. Because I, I do like it. I do like it. But I do think it is quite a bit overrated. Because I do have an issue with it. Like, overall, I think it's a good story. I love all the performances in it. And, well, most of the performances. And I do think Peter Butterworth is a gen- plays a genuinely intriguing part. And a uh, very fun villain but once the vikings land it some that aspect of the story just doesn't work 
for me for some reason. I, did, I just well, I think we've got I, to remember I, I that some of the payoff for like the Vikings landing is actually not in the story because it was cut out from the film. Yeah, and, and we're also, missing a, a good a chunk of footage from episode four, I believe. I think the story is on a high the whole time. You know, for the first two episodes, you have the intrigue and mystery of the, of who the monk is, and you find out more about him. And the, those pieces are interesting to unravel. But then in the second half, once once he's revealed, you know, to not just to not just you know be be a, an absolute time git, um, but you know, to, <laughs> revealed to to be one of the doctors, uh, a member of the doctor's race, and um, it's once. Peter Butterworth is unleashed as a character actor. It just becomes so much fun uh, in the second half, and it becomes a completely different story. I think. I I just love how 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 much he like fucks around with them. Like when the when everyone's knocking on his door at the at the monastery, like whoever it is, depending on which side, he always lies to them, regardless of who they are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because he's just a git. You yeah. don't know what he says to plan. He just wants to fuck around with people. Yeah. Yeah. Although I I, th- I think we're missing the easily the best thing about this story, the same woman who played her in an earthly child comes yes! back. <laughs> I was actually gonna come to that myself. Yeah, that's that's actually another really good performance, which how I do you genuinely get... enjoy. How do you get typecast as the kind of woman from the past <laughs> with messy hair? Um, I love the scene where she gives the doctor mean. He's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you," and then she walks up and he just throws it away. <laughs> my question is: oh, Did she it's... bleach her hair, or did it just go gray between then and then? I think I think it's pretty dark in both stories. Oh. No, she's her hair is light and fucking. No, no, really, I it's didn't think it was. Hitler. No, yeah, um, it is. I thought it was great in both stories. Not gonna lie, but but I think uh, I think her what? scenes with Hart, I think her, her her scenes with Hartnell are really nice because they have a, a nice little connection. Um, they they have it, some it well, re- such, well written scenes together. It's such um, a natural exposition dump. Like it's so yeah. well crafted. Yeah, and the scenes are Spooner can and, get away with exposition like that. Oh yeah, yeah the, the scenes are both charming and funny at the same time. It's such a Dennis Spooner script. It's really Dennis Spooner. Dennis Spooner's writing in its purest form. Yeah. Um, you can't really get. It's just like Dennis the charm this. machine on full spin for a hundred minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean that might Christ. be why I like it so much, but yeah. I'm trying so, to find things now because now I'm genuinely bothered by this. I, I don't think there's any color set photos for Eva's story. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, ratings out of ten for the time meddler, Connor. Ten. Ten, Dylan. Nine. Okay, Brian. Um, eight. We've got to go seven now, Joey. Of Ooh, wow. It's gonna, it's gonna be a curse. There's gonna be a curse if we don't like have the full countdown. Well, um, I actually agree with Connor on this. I give it a ten. Um, oh, fair enough. I can see giving it a ten. It's an absolutely beautiful story. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I need. I need. I need to find out what this actress's hair color is <laughs> was she's probably fucking dead now um anyway oh yeah she died in 1976 oh bloody hell she didn't last very long after this story i just want to add i just want to add also about the time meddler is the um chemistry between vicky and steven is fantastic <laughs> through the oh, roof yeah. uh, seriously those two are brilliant together it's such a shame they don't have much time on screen because they're so good in the audios as well 
So, um, I guess it's time for the final topic of this video, and that is our ranking of season two from least favorite to favorite. Um, would anyone like to begin, or should I go? Uh, well, I'll need to think about it for a minute, so you can go. All right, I'll go. Um, so from least favorite to favorite, my season two ranking goes at the bottom, Planet of Giants, uh, then The Chase, The Dalek Invasion of Earth, The Space Museum, The Rescue, The Web Planet, The Crusade, the Time Meddler, and at the very top, I give the Romans. So, all right, yeah. I, I think I've got it now. Actually, I was lost for a second there. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. So I think at the bottom we got Planet of Giants. Then right. second bottom, Space Museum. Then we got uh, the Web Planet, Dark Invasion of Earth. Uh, the oh, what should be next? Actually, uh, the Crusade. No, the Chase. Then the Crusade. Um, then after that, I'll have the rescue, then the Romans, then the time medley. All right then. <laughs> I, I find I find your I find your uh, ranking of the oh shit what story was I thrown oh by the chase uh, very interesting you put it like halfway through and I had it more towards the bottom so that's <laughs> just a lot of fun yeah oh yeah right oh, you shit are, you're right you're right I know for some reason I had to be fair I haven't watched an Earthy Child in about like. Four, four or five years or something, but I just had it in my mind that she... What was it, what was it you said? Fucking well. caveman politics? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just fucking caveman politics. It's not fucking interesting. <laughs> like, you know, there's more interesting periods to do politics from when there's actually, you know, an intricate <laughs> society with lots of interesting problems rather than just where we get food, where we get fire. You know, it's just like... Oh. Oh, all right, well, I'll, I'll just accept that you're eternally wrong about an earthly child, um, episodes two through four. But, oh, shit, um, I need to type this down so I know what I'm about to say. So All right, uh, well, I guess Connor's going next, I'll go then. next. Um So at the bottom, the Space Museum. Um, right. And then basically every other story I really like. Um, the Web Planet, uh, then Planet of Giants, then the Rescue, then the Crusade then the chase, then the Romans, then the Dalek invasion of Earth, and at the top, the Time Meddler. Wow. Dalek invasion of Earth. Very, very different lists, actually. Very yeah. Different. I was surprised yeah. with how far Dalek invasion of Earth made it. That's Well, that's it's just, like I said, like Tomb of the Sidemen, it's just a magical story. And I, mm, I, do, I, accept, I, do, I do accept that stories I've ranked below it are objectively better. I just like Dalek Invasion of Earth slightly more. See, I understand the argument, because that's what I use for Tomb of the Cybermen, but I just don't feel the same thing for Dalek Invasion of Earth, because yeah. the, the directing just can't carry that magical aura for me all the way through the story. But, you know, that's just my opinion. It's a very subjective thing, yeah. so fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. It's Brian, just weird, ready? though, because... Because you're such you're such a big lover of the first Doctor, and it's strange how his most iconic story you're not a big fan of. Mm. I mean, right. maybe I'm just a massive contrarian troll. Who? How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how Brian... many stories are in season two again? Like nine. 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 I've only got eight down, so you tell me which one I'm forgetting. Okay? Ah, well, one of them's a missing episode. Well, I know are you forgetting that. the? Are you forgetting the crusade, Brian? Because you don't like it. No, I've got the crusade on here at the. It's bottom. gonna be at the fucking bottom, and I'm gonna fucking kill you. Planet of Giants, Dalek Invasion of Earth, Rescue. Oh, that's Rome. the one I was forgetting. Okay, yeah. Planet of Giants goes under the crusade. Oh, oh really? 
Oh, wait, no, I ranked that higher. It has to go above it. Never mind. <laughs> oh, fuck you. All right, so at the bottom, we have the Crusade. Boom! Followed by I'm, the... I'm, I'm... <laughs> fucking Go on. Followed by the Space Museum. Uh, after that, we have Planet of Giants. Following Planet of Giants, we've got the Chase. After that, the Rescue. Then the Time Meddler. The Web Planet. The Dalek Invasion of Earth. And then the Romans at the what top. What the fuck is with the this Dalek planet. Invasion of Earth wank? The Web Planet better than the, the time Rescue. Meddler. And the Crusade. And the Time Meddler. What the hell, man? I guess it's the Hive, isn't it? Oh, wow. Well, actually, to be fair, I, I rank Web Planet above the Rescue, but I mean, I, I only by one point. Well, maybe I think it's not maybe one of those, but all three. <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Brian just likes more pulpy Doctor Who. I do. Like, it's like just you, a, was it it's, your favorite it's, story of season one was the Keys of Marinus, right? Right. It's just a generally known fact that I like the pulpy shit more. Yeah. Understandable. I like the dark sci-fi shit more generally, but there is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like dyke the dark sci-fi. You like dark. Don't use that word here. How dare you? That's why. That's why. That's why I love the time midlock though, because it has both in it. Like it's such a brilliant blend of all the things I like about the first Doctor in one story. I like dark sci-fi bullshit, but it. You know, there's a reason, like, why I don't like Caves of Androzani as much as some people do. And that's because it's just pure bleakness, and there's only, like, two oh, pure bleak there. stories yeah, that exactly. I like. <laughs> oh, it's so the, wonderful. The though. nastier and more horrible the script, the better. See, see but, this is coming from, but this is coming from the same that's fucker it. Who, whose favorite Big Finish audio is Night Thoughts. What the hell, Brian? But Night Wait, Thoughts come on, is I love pulpy. the last. Night you know? Thoughts is not pulpy. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, it's fucking not. <laughs> um, there's a ghost story involved, Joey. It's not just fucking depressing for the sake of being depressing like the last. The last is brilliant. How can I not like the last? To be fair, I do like the last, but that's like the one exception. I love the last. It's so good. <laughs> anyway, um... So uh, I guess I guess that about does it. Oh shit! There's nothing else to talk about. Um, well, uh, thank you guys for being on. Uh, it, was, it was wonderful to have all three of you on this episode. Um, Pleasure. Like yeah. I said, oh yeah. Anything, Any- anything, anything we'd like to plug before uh, before we ship out here? I'd uh, like to plug my finger in Dylan's bum hole. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would like to plug a sharp knife in eye in Brian's eye socket. <laughs> It'd be like a kind of weird sixty-nine where he's fisting me and I'm knifing him. Oh god. Okay, Connor, what do you what would you like to plug? Anything you'd like to advertise on this podcast? Um, I guess my YouTube channel. Of course. Wait. Um, <laughs> what, Brian? Let him fucking speak. <laughs> um. Yeah. If you if you want to check out um. We've got a friend who's never seen the show before. We're taking him through the Davies there at the moment. We've also got Worst of Classic Who that I haven't seen, and that's fun and painful uh, at the same time. And we've also done all of Series 11, and we've got a whole bunch of topical videos. And, yeah, just check it out if you want. Yes, indeed, indeed. Dylan, anything you'd like to actually plug? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, check out my YouTube channel if you want. Basically, if you... 
have enjoyed my bastard-like ways on this podcast, you might enjoy my bastard-like ways on my own channel, you know? Um, I assume this is coming out after Apocalypse and Goldilocks War, right? Um, it'll it'll probably be out, like, between episodes one and two of Apocalypse, if I already guess. Um... Oh, so right. it'll be coming out while Goldilocks works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, this, yeah, right so that. that'll be good. So, um, so, so I guess for both of us, then uh, check out our audios as uh, as both Brian has a story going on right now. The Goldilocks War. It's a Fifth Doctor and Perry story with ice warriors and Silurians, and it's very fan wanky, and I love it. Um, I'm in it, and then uh, also check out. Uh, I think part one should be out at this point of Doctor Who Apocalypse, the adaptation of Time War Apocalypse that we have going on right now. Um, I think. Uh, oh no, Dylan's not in it. Shit. All right, never mind then. Uh, I'm in it. As you Jerry's are in it. Favorite character. I fucking love you as Fetch. Um. Anyway, so uh, I guess that about does it then. Um. Again, thank you all for being on. Yeah, it was fan- and, it was, uh, it was a really fun uh, time. Yeah, and as a result of this podcast, I'm going to make my own rival podcast, and it's going to be called the Time Gits. <laughs> oh like yeah! It's, it's, you I can't like... waste that name. Can't waste that. Name. <laughs> oh shit all right so again thank you all for being on and i guess i will see uh our listeners or hear from our listeners (laughs) next time on the celestial podcast goodbye